starting at verses um, 13 to 16. We've just been, uh, last week we were hearing about the Beatitudes, the nature of life in the kingdom, and, and this is the beginning of Jesus' exposition of the impact of that. So verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Bob, thank you. Good morning, everyone. I see lots of people I've never met before. So just to introduce myself, I'm here from the other side of midday. I'm one of the elders of the 4.30 service. Um, And I bring greetings to you all. And it's really good to be here. I felt just for a moment that Bob was going to preach. (laughs) Don't you feel like that was quite a good introduction? Did you want to come on? No. Fine. Let's pray and then let's get on. Father God, thank you that we meet, brought together through the blood of Jesus, and we meet in his name. Thank you that you are here by your spirit. So please, help me as I'm speaking. Help us all as we're listening. Help us to know you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right. Um, I could make the joke that the length of the sermon is in inverse proportion to the length of the reading. Two-minute reading, three-hour sermon. Not quite. Um, but nevertheless, get your, get your mind back to chapter 5, verse 13. There's going to be two points today. Pretty obvious, really. There are two pictures here, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. And I think we probably know these verses very well. We have heard Jesus speak to us many times, I'm sure, reading this, and said, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And then we've gone out into that world, haven't we? What was in that last song we were singing? Filled with passion, filled with power to proclaim salvation in Jesus' name. And that goes out tomorrow, and it hits the world in which we live and the world in which we work. And the question of, am I really being salt here? Does the light seem to be shining here, hits home? So it's, it's not so important for the Sunday to understand what's going on here. But it's really important when you get to the Monday, and the Tuesday, and the Thursday, because if you're anything like me, Some weeks it doesn't feel like I'm the salt of the earth or the light of the world. And I want to ask you a question. How do people value you as a Christian? I don't mean as a friend, as a loved one in the family, as a work colleague, as a neighbour. As a Christian, think of someone who knows you reasonably well. If you ask them this question, how would they react? The question is this. You, let's call them Peter, Sydney, 
whatever. You know I'm a Christian. You know I try to follow Jesus in the way I live. How does that make you feel about me? What would that answer be? I hope for many of us, the answer may well be respect. I can see you've got faith. I really respect that about you, although it's not for me. I suspect for a lot of us, it's actually indifference. Oh, that's a surprise. Oh, well, nice for you. Can't say I've thought about it very much. But actually, for some of us, it may even be hostility. Go back to verse 12. Verse 11. Look down there. This is the sort of reaction that comes if you are salt and light in the earth. People insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Now, however you feel valued today, this passage will do you good, okay? So be encouraged. I hope you were encouraged last week. Think of the status that came last week. Blessed are you. If you're poor in spirit, blessed are you. If you mourn, blessed are you. If you're meek, blessed are you. If you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, blessed are you. You could summarise, to those who feel unimpressive who feel like a failure, who feel like they don't amount to anything very much, how could God ever love them? Jesus says, well, if that's you, and you want to follow me, then you are blessed. The Lord of heaven and earth smiles on you. Isn't that amazing? Look around this room this morning. I'm looking for really impressive people. I, I won't look in this direction. <laughs> I don't see many. I'm not sure I see any in this room. The world is not full of really impressive people, is it? It's full of really ordinary people. And particularly the world looking at the church doesn't think, wow. But we're blessed. We have a status which no one can take away. The God of heaven smiles on us. That's amazing, isn't it? That's who we are this morning with believers. Now, having said that to 12 disciples, fishermen, tax collectors, random women, people with no status to speak of, you are blessed. The God of heaven loves you. He's looking out for you. Today, Jesus goes on to say, you're not impressive. You don't amount to much, but look at what you're here for. Jesus says, you, disciple, you, follower, and others to come just like you. And you here today in Worcester Park. Me here today in Worcester Park. You matter more in this world. And you will have more impact in this world. And down through history. Than all of the politicians. The leaders. The sports people. The celebrities. The scientists. The teachers. Anyone else in all of history. That's what difference you will make. So if we forget what we're here for, this passage will give us a focus again. We're here to make a difference to the world around us. 
Now, if we're indifferent and casual, there's a warning here too. If you stop listening to Jesus, you will waste your whole life. But I think for most of us, we do want to follow Jesus. We do try to follow Jesus. We find it hard. It doesn't seem to make much difference often. But it does make a difference. And together with believers around the world and down through history, we are changing the world. So that's what we're going to see today. So let's get into those pictures. First one, the salt of the earth. Hey, the technology works. Somebody efficient on the PowerPoint. Wonderful. Thank you. What does the salt of the earth mean? What does it actually mean to say you are the salt of the earth? What do we think of the salt today? Well, flavouring food, yes, you'll know that one. Preserving stuff, yes, you know that one. Putting on the roads when they're icy. I'm not sure that was the salt of the world in ancient Israel. <laughs> but that's salt. In fact, there's probably not sodium chloride, but never mind. That's salt for us. Um, you can buy deodorant that's labelled the salt of the earth. There is a wine label, the salt of the earth. And if you're old-fashioned like me, you can call someone the salt of the earth. Martin, you're the salt of the earth. <laughs> My kids would have no idea what that meant. <laughs> it means he's genuine, he's unpretentious, he's morally sound, he's a good chap, salt of the earth. But what does Jesus mean? Well, there's a guy called Andrew Wilson who's written various books, very good books. He says there are five uses of salt in the ancient world and in the Bible. Very quickly, yes, it's flavouring food. Yes, it's preserving meat from decay, which in the ancient world was a really important thing because there were no fridges. But also it's sacrificing, and those taking notes could write Leviticus 2.13 down, where it says, it's a whole list of offerings there, and it said, Jilly is checking me out. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. So it goes on the offerings offered up to the God of heaven as a savour in his nostrils. The most common use actually in the ancient world was to do with judgment and destruction. Judges 9.45, Abimelech destroyed Shechem. And then he salts the ground. So the ground will not grow crops again. So that will become a barren wasteland. If you go to the Dead Sea, which is full of salt, you'll see a wasteland. And apparently also salt was used as fertiliser for the soil. Because in teeny bits, just the right amount, it retains water, it releases minerals, it stimulates growth. There we are. There are five uses of salt. Now, why five uses? <coughs> I think the point is, there are lots of different ways in which you can be salty and make a difference. Not just one. Not just preserving stuff from rotting away. Not just making things taste nice. But lots of ways. And we're going to look at that. So, we all have different personalities here. We all have different situations. In whatever your personality or your situation, you can be salty. So don't think this is something for just, you know, people who stand up the front. 
People who go out and talk to their neighbours boldly and confidently and say, come along to church with me. It can be for people who feel a bit isolated, a bit shy, a bit like they're not connecting with people. You too can be salty. I too can be salty. Now, why is the salt here? Well, think of what Jesus has just been saying before this passage. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the weak. The Beatitudes here are what make us salty. It's being the people of the Beatitudes. Poor in spirit, mourning for our sin, being meek because we know we're humble before God, we need his forgiveness, being merciful because we've been shown mercy. That's what makes us salty. And as we go on, in future weeks to the rest of these sermon this also is what makes us salty being careful in how we speak being careful in our relationships being faithful so let's just think about that just a few minutes what it might mean what it might mean for you this week well the way you speak makes a difference to people makes a difference in the world around you colossians 4 verse 6 paul said this let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The way you talk with a colleague at work this week, the way you just talk casually to your neighbour when you see them, you can be salty there. It makes a difference. Your example, sorry people on Zoom, your example can deter others from sin, that preserving from decay idea haven't we seen in the week if we follow Wagatha Christie how much damage can be done by foolish speech well when you're in the position where someone else is gossiping and they just say oh what do you think and they're just looking for that comeback oh yeah let me tell you and you don't join in in a very small way you're being salty there you're you're stopping in a tiny way the decay of some relationship by not joining into gossiping about someone and whatever your sacrifices this week this month this year they join up in an offering to god of all that's good in the world all of his people all of their lives they're offering up to god as a sacrifice with the salt on the top do they get I'm standing here. Um, the presence of the church, particularly the persecuted church, in not bowing before enemies, not being cowed, that is pleasing to God. And that is a sign to the world of destruction and judgment. The idea of salt as judgment. Philippians 1.28, he's talking about Christians standing firm against opposition. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. A persecuted Christian who is being hated in the world is being salty just by going on as a Christian. And that idea of fertilising. You know, in a workplace, in a school, in a family, it sometimes takes one or two believers to make a real difference in the culture and the way it the way things are, there's sort of fragrance in the air when believers live out their lives. And the point that Jesus makes to us here this morning, we can be doing this. We are doing this 
even if we don't see it. You may go and have a very ordinary next five days if you head off to work. You might come next week and think, what happened with the last week? I'm not sure. But you are the salt of the earth. The way you speak will have made a difference. The way you treated people will have made a difference. The way you stood up to criticism and stayed faithful to God made a difference. It looks very small, doesn't it? Think of it. I forgot to bring my salt thing for an illustration. Think of the thing in your cupboard with the table salt, the thing you never get out. Go and get it out in your mind. Take some and sprinkle it onto your hand, okay? Salt on your hand. Look at them. They're tiny, aren't they? But go and put that in your food. It makes such a difference the way it tastes. Go and sprinkle it on your wooden floor. You can't even see it, but you walk across it in bare feet and you can feel it. It's under there. It's itchy, scratchy. Yeah? That Spanish ham you bought when you were on holiday and it cost a fortune. You can't see the salt in there, which is saving it. But it's in there and it's kept it from decay for about two years. Isn't that amazing? You know, that's what salt does. You don't see it, you, but you know it's there and it makes a difference. Okay? So you make a difference this week. You really do. Um, but... There is a warning. Let's go to the warning. Verse 13. But, Jesus says, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. I won't say much about that. But just to say, Jesus said it. You are the salt of the earth. But if you lose your saltiness... What good are you? You were poor in spirit when you came to me, Jesus said. You knew you couldn't stand before me in your own righteousness. You knew you were a sinner. You mourned over your sin and failings when you came to me for forgiveness. You were meek. You knew you didn't amount to much. You hungered and thirsted for righteousness. Because you saw in me something wonderful and you knew that's what the world needs and what you should be like and what you wanted to be like. And you were merciful because I was merciful to you. And you want to be pure in heart because you want to see God. And you make peace. Well, that's the Christian. That's what makes you salty. Don't walk away from that, Jesus says. If you think, well, it's all right, I'm a Christian, and then lose sight of Jesus, you'll end up nowhere. And what a waste. What a waste. How do we guard ourselves against that? I don't think we guard ourselves just by going along and thinking, well, I must try hard to be meek, kind, merciful. It doesn't really work. We have to follow Jesus, don't we? Matthew eleven twenty nine. This is what Jesus said, talking about people coming to them. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. So the best way not to waste your life, the best way not to become this salt which isn't really salt, learn from Jesus every day. Accept his yoke. 
The circumstances he sent that you're in at the minute, that's Jesus' yoke for you today. Look at him. He's gentle. He's lowly in heart. He still is. He's the king of heaven. He is still gentle and lowly in heart. We want to be like him, don't we? Think about him going to the cross for you. That is always the defining characteristic of a Christian. Jesus went to the cross for me. As he says, you'll find rest for your souls. And when you find rest for your souls, you'll stay salty. And you'll keep living out these beatitudes. Okay, salt of the earth, light of the world. Not too long on this one. This is more familiar. Um, Light versus darkness. The world around us is dark, isn't it? The sky out there is sunny, it's bright, it's beautiful. It's dark, it's gloomy. In God's sight, it's like pitch black. People are wandering around, bumping into things, and they cannot see where they're going. And the worst thing is, they don't know it. That's the darkness of the world. But for you, Christian, here today, you are the light of the world. Two things that come through in this section. Firstly, that is your status and it is completely settled. You are the light of the world. Not, you can be the light of the world. Not, if you try hard this week, you'll shine in the world and people will see you. No, you are the light of the world. God has not, to go to this picture, God has not lit on a lamp and put it under a bowl. He has made a people and he's made them the church. And he's put us in all the places where people look on and they see us. And they see something of the light of God in us. You take the light with you when you go to work, to school. Where else do you go these days? To the pub, (laughs) the supermarket, if you venture there. You are there. You are light. There's no getting away from it. Remember who you are this week. As I said before, live up to it. That is your calling this week, light of the world. And I want you to think about your privilege. Question, Bible question. We'll have, we'll have a voice and someone stick their hand up. Find me a verse that says light of the world, somebody. I'm looking around, I want an answer. I'm not going on until I get one. Or tell me a book of the Bible, or at least we'll do. John. John. Anyone want to guess a chat? Near the front, near the, near the back or in the middle? John 1. Okay. Anything else? I am, yes, very good. That's not John 1, that's somewhere else. John 8, 12. What's it say, Bob? So, Bob Bill. Preach it, brother. What's it say? Great, thank you. That's what I've got on my notes here. John eight twelve. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then Jesus turns to these disciples, and he turns to you, and he says, 
You are the light of the world. Now imagine that. Imagine Jesus comes down from heaven, the king of heaven. And he says, well, you're the king. He doesn't say that. But he says, I'm the light. I came into the darkness. And now he says to us today, you are the light of the world. That is such a privilege. If we only understood that, it would transform us. Because you don't feel like that, do you? Let's be honest. No, I don't feel like that. I could list, and I'm not going to, but I could list dozens of occasions when I've not felt like I'm being light. And you could do exactly the same. But it is still true. Jesus says to us, you are the light of the world. Well, there is an objection coming, isn't there? But, but me? Only last week I was at work and someone said something about the way the world is. And I could have said, well, it's the, the, that way because of sin and because of our foolishness and we need a saviour. But I said, oh, it's terrible, isn't it? And walked away. You know? We all done, I've done that. I've done that loads of times. You've all done that. It doesn't feel like it. We don't feel like we shine very well. Well... 2 Corinthians 4 helps us here, verse 6 and 7. God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, so that's the light from Jesus, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So yes, we are not impressive shining lights in our own strength and power if i got up one morning and said i am the light of the world i'm going to make such a difference today my family would turn to me and say you're a fool and they'd be right wouldn't they if i just thought like that but god says in you in this jar of clay which looks pretty unimpressive i have put the light in you and it will shine through and i will make it shine through i can do that i am god and suffering and weakness and failings particularly, it shines through. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 9, Paul talking about his ministry, he said, It seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like those condemned to die in the arena. The arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe. There in suffering, he was putting on display his glory. There were Christians in Ukraine. There were Christians in Russia weeping over the situation. Feeling like they've nothing. And God is putting on display his glory in the way they live through that situation. Or Christians in North Korea. Or Christians going up to town. And living in a culture where people are just indifferent. And they go on believing in Jesus and trying to live for him. That is light in this world. That is Jesus' light in this world. And the final point from this passage. What's his picture here? Well, what is the light? Well, it's a town built on a hill. Now think of yourself going to build a town on a hill. Okay, you you found a hill somewhere. Um, where would that be? Pardon? 
North Cheam. You've gone to North... Now, imagine North Cheam. North Cheam has been flattened, right? I hope no one lives in North Cheam. Wouldn't it be lovely? It's all flattened. It's Greenfields. It's a hill. You go up and you build a house. And I'm sitting down in Worcester Park. I probably don't notice your house, do I? You've got... This is, this, is the, this is before electricity. You've got your fire on in your house or your candle. And if you're standing just outside the door, well, you just notice. But if you're down in Worcester Park, it's nothing. It's still just a hill. Now, I'm at, so Sam is up there in his little hut, and we can hardly see him. But then Tom comes and builds a house as well. And a jeep You know, five or six little huts get built. And then another. You get the point. As they are built and a town is built, the light comes from the town and it shines in the sky. So in the end, if you, if you care about stargazing, which I don't particularly, but if I did, you would be moaning about these towns. The light goes up into the heavens. You can no longer see the sky at night because the glow of London is so <coughs> glowy. <laughs> yeah, that's the light. You know, so one of you on your own, you're not much of a light, are you? But God has put us together to be the light of the world. Grace Church is brought together to be the lights of the world in Worcester Park and North Cheam and Stoneleigh and other places nearby. Grace Church is part of Commission. Commission is part of the UK Church, part of the worldwide church. Bob prayed a prayer from the historic church. <coughs> From centuries ago, that little, oh, your little light here this morning isn't very much. Let's be honest, my little light is not very much. But we are part of something so much bigger, which is God's light of the world. So look around you this morning. Go on. I'm being bossy again. Look around you. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Even the. No, I won't ask anyone to put your hand up. There are new people who've not been here before, aren't there? Is that right? Or you've, you've hardly been here much. doesn't really matter. You are part of the light that God is bringing to Worcester Park here this morning. So when someone new comes, don't just think, oh, that's interesting. Think God is adding to our light here, our presence in Worcester Park. Maybe they can help me and we can help them. And together we can shine out God's light this morning, this week. Think about how we can help each other to be light in this world. Right, there we go. Nearly done. Final, can we have the last slide? I'm just going to read these through, just to encourage us. And then then I'll say a prayer. Because I know what it's like... Confession to Sam. I've heard a sermon more than once and thought, oh, that's great. I feel really encouraged. And then I've got home and the next day, what was that about? Or it only takes, I don't know, I don't live very far away. I could be half the way home and my heart is back in the dregs again, thinking, oh, yeah, but work. Oh, no, but that thing. So today we've hopefully seen... God has made us lights to this world. But tomorrow, we probably won't feel like it again. So here's some verses, which I'm just going to read and then I'll pray for us. Philippians 2. It's talking about working out your salvation. 
It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Jesus' words. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And there at the end of Matthew 28. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Father God, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. That's an amazing privilege. We are only that because Jesus has made us so. We only shine because Jesus came to bring light and life. We only shine through his life, his glory, his power. But still we are light, we are salt. So please encourage our hearts this week. Help us know Jesus. Help us to know that whatever we do, wherever you've put us, however small it may feel sometimes, that you are at work in us and through us. And help us to know that we are the church together to shine for you. Please help us, I pray. Please help us to live for you this week and every week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.